I think we are live. Uh, hello and welcome to Lords of Pain Radio Aftershock for WWE Clash of Champions Gold Rush because everything's got a little nickname now. Live immediately after the show uh, with myself, Matt Mayer, aka Imp. You can follow me on Twitter at the damn Implicat. That's damn as in damn. Uh, also, Hustle has got a column up already, like an immediate running diary of thoughts, which is already up on Lords of Pain as well. So if you want a written word, thoughts uh, from somebody at Wrestling Headlines, and you can go over to there as well. With the uh, Lords of Radio Astrock, I'm here for the video slash audio version review, and my the immediate thoughts on Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso. That's what I'm kicking it off with, that's why I got my pretty graphic up. We're going straight in with that. Is there a way that I can get my bloody window so that I can see more things than once, or as I make a noise to imitate Squishing. <laughs> this is a bit, I'm just shrinking a window. It's a bit over the top, Matt. Right, but I can bloody do things now. So, with the main event that's just finished about 15 minutes ago, it took me a little while to get everything kind of like final, like an organising things. It is 20 past three in the morning. So, hopefully, I've got my words about me. But shirtless Roman arrived. Badass Roman arrived. Uh, tri- chief of the tribe Roman arrived all on this show. Amazing character work. Amazing. Just overall, uh, I was going to say character work, but it's character work upon character work. It's fantastic stuff. An amazing build for Roman, for, uh, I would say for the Usos, but it's mostly for Roman. Done fantastically. Uh, Jey Uso played his part really well. Even Jimmy coming on down. That's really, really well done. And, like, overall, this show, for me, this show was three matches. The opening ladder match, which, again, you could put on any show, but it worked really well. Amped did it all up. The ambulance match, and then this one. The hour and a half in between? Waste of time. <laughs> Useless. <laughs> Nothing. Padding, fluffing, whatever you can call it. And in a way, we were kind of saved by two matches getting cancelled. We were maybe, like, we were saved two matches essentially. Yes, we got Asuka Bailey, but overall, we were mostly saved a bit of time, and I thought it's all for the better. This show finished around three hours, which. I'm still reeling from that one year, one, two years, whatever, however long it was, where every pay-per-view was a minimum of four hours. <laughs> WrestleMania, Survivor Series, SummerSlam, Royal Rumble, they were all closer to five hours, which is just ridiculous. So whenever we hit a three-hour, or like two hours in, and I'm like, my God, there's only two matches left. That's fantastic. So as like a British viewer, you're going to get thumbs up in my books, <laughs> purely for not being over three hours. Because I'm still reeling from that. It's still, for me, it's like a major positive whenever that happens. So, thumbs up continue <laughs> in that department. But for the main event itself, the big daddy of them all, the real reason for this show existing, or or the main draw for it, really, uh, the WWE Championship, Roman Reigns versus Jey Uso, and shirtless Roman arrived. Twitter went crazy. Even I put out my own GIF. <laughs> thing for it. It's one of the Friends ones. Can't remember which one I picked. It's one with Ross fainting, whatever he says. <laughs> but it was 
Uh, yeah, Twitter went crazy for shirtless Roman. It was like, oh my god, he's going to happen, and it's happening. Oh, with all the memes of, oh, but he has to wear the vest. It's a medical thing. He has to wear the vest. <laughs> no, 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 he doesn't. No, no, it's 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 fine for me. This is finally Roman Reigns is moving on from the Shield, and he's finally able to kind of progress and move on. And the his focus shifts to another family. Uh, Jay Uso has done an amazing job this past month in the build to this 100% deserving main event. Uh, Jay Uso played his part. Like this story, has generally got me in. Like it's fantastic stuff. Only four weeks as well that they've built up this story, and it feels like there's so much to it as well. And the way that it elevates all the characters, it's the perfect story at the perfect time. Because the whole point of this period is you've had your shock arrival of Ruben Reigns. He's come back. He's won the championship. This is purely setting up his character. And who better to do that than family member Jey Uso? Uh, bringing up all the family drama and the kind of hierarchy within the family as well, which is a lot of this match was based on. Well, I guess the flow of it as well, uh, what they were aiming for. And that in terms of setting up the Roman Reigns character, this match was perfect. I have got, like, I've got no negative notes on it. It, was, it did its job so perfectly well. Like this is this is not this is where for me like the melts of ratings and that type of thing. This is where they fall flat. This kind of match did everything it needed to, and it did it absolutely perfectly. I've got no negatives. So technically, <laughs> this would should be a five star match in that in in my kind of ratings for it. Whilst I know one hundred percent this doesn't break like three or four stars for Meltzer. Maybe maybe they go three and a half. I don't know because it's not what those ratings are really for. Like matches like these where they absolutely nail the character stuff. It's like yeah, like, I've got no. And normally I complain like in a WWE world during the G1 climax. I normally get New Japan Whiplash because again, first time listening to me, this is, uh, New Japan for Wrestling is my number one, which makes it. I sometimes I feel like it makes it easier for me watching the American stuff because I don't have a mass allegiance to either of them. <laughs> I don't have a bias to either side. Because no, I'm I'm somewhere else entirely. Like if one if one of them puts on a bad show, it's like cool. I mean, I'll rant about it because <laughs> it is bad wrestling. Is bad wrestling. Like a pundit watching his sport, and it's a bad example of his sport. He's still going to complain about it. But I don't feel any tie to either side. And I can honestly say this was a fantastically done main event. The and it caps off a perfectly well done arc for the entire month as well. So this. Round of applause all around. For me, this is technically a five-star match. I'm assuming, after seeing his tweets, Hustle's going to agree with me there. That about, something about this match, it was just the... It, it didn't get any of the beats wrong. The way that it built up and built up, and he got, <laughs> got the fake out ending with Jay Uso. Uh, sorry, Jimmy Uso coming on down there, nailing the point <laughs> of the entire rivalry <laughs> from Jay Uso's point of view. But if, if Jimmy Uso coming down... And uh, threatening to throw in the towel, and he obviously that that ends up happening. And it's one of the things where normally matches you see that not happening unless there's a heel turn or something. Like even AW where they did the towel throwing, it was because of a specific turn was about to happen. Of and in this case, no, it's a legitimate worry for his brother, and there was no turn coming. And I give more round of applause to WWE for showing restraint in that moment because. WWE gonna WWE <laughs> and the fact there was no turn, there's no heel turn, like even in the match prior with Randy Audrey McIntyre, that was a baby face getting his due and uh, getting his moment and the heel getting his comeuppance 
And it's like, they showed restraint and they didn't do any swerves, or like because swerve, which has been a massive issue the past year or year or two especially. It's, it's something that's kind of built and built where it's short term, let's get a let's get a reaction type of thing, but you can't do that in the Thunderdome because if anybody watched the show tonight, they're piping in their own reactions to it. So they're telling you a story and you aren't there to like immediately react with your voices or whatever. So you're not trying to get a pop out of them because it doesn't matter. You make your own pop. Uh, and in terms of the, uh, in terms of some of the crowd stuff, it was really bad tonight. <laughs> I'm fine with the ambiance or the ambiance. I'm fine with it in that thing where it's background noise. It adds to it. And sometimes when it amps up with what's happening, but the the bum 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 bum, or bum bum. I can't. Did they do the Terminator thing or was it just like a building bum bum? Oh, but I can't remember which one it was. But they did a beat type of thing. And both times they played that, it was in the ladder match at the start and in the Roman Reigns one as Jey Uso was getting back into the match of firing up. Uh, it was... That sound clip was implemented and mixed badly both times. <laughs> it was just so... It was way too loud. And obviously just blatantly just kind of comes in and then fades away. Uh, and part of it is making it sound like one like ambiance, <laughs> one piece of... A noise that's around, and that sounded like an audio file being played over the top both times. They they didn't get it right at <laughs> the time, uh, but though this is to be fair, that's still better than what if you it, like watching old Smackdowns. Bloody hell! <laughs> As somebody who can like when sound like that when it gets on me, uh, that really gets on me. That kind of sound like that, and I really struggle <laughs> with Smackdown sometimes because of how badly the crowds are piped in, uh, and you can really tell whilst I'm sitting here with my headphones which are designed to work good with the PlayStation 4 games <laughs> and here relatively uh, higher quality than, what, 2000 Smackdown television stuff. Anyway, I'm going on a massive tangent or danger of doing it. My point was being, Jey Uso, Roman Reigns, absolutely fantastic match. I'm going to go quick run through the match uh, with uh, Roman asserting control for pretty much the entire first half. Jey was completely unable to get into the match. Complete dominance on the champion, with Uso finally hitting a string of offense in the second half. It was completely grounded, hitting, I think, a Samoan drop and maybe a punch or two. Pretty much it. He got back in with Suicida after Suicida, flying from up high, uh, getting down close with a fall, but it wasn't enough. Uh, even then, Jay's offense was more in bursts. Like, he wasn't until the second half where he got a proper string. And and I've, I've summed it. I've, I've flown through it a little bit, but that those kind of that kind of time was like what ten fifteen minutes of getting completely worn down before another ten minutes when he finally got back in, before getting beaten down again. But is, whenever he got a string, it was in bursts, and afterwards he was having to counter the big dog, get back in the match again. Uh, on one occasion, towards the end, rolling up Razor's attempt of a Superman punch into a quick fall. Following up with a super kick and the splash and an amazing spot where in kicking out, Roman low blows Jay with his right arm. Done so well, I didn't notice it at first. And it wasn't until the replay where they were blatantly pulling it out, calling it out, saying on commentary. Because the way Jay used to was saying, I was like, I can't tell if this is kind of buying for time because they know a replay's coming. <laughs> where Jay used to like, ow, ow. Or if he mucked it up, a, genuinely mucked it up a bit. As a, in the moment, like, you, you're first seeing him just go, ow, 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 and we've already seen an injury early in the night, which t accidentally helped that's this spot for me. <laughs> the injury to Gaza early in the match, 
and I see somebody flies on top, and then he's kind of just saying, ow, ow, and we're seemingly going to cut to a replay, but it's not happening. So like, oh, so maybe it isn't meant to be a replay. Reality was, he was selling getting hit in the dick. <laughs> so, uh, really well done, Spot. I also feel like I am also allowed to be a bit gullible at half past two in the morning. <laughs> My veins tying off a little bit. But, yeah, it got me. I enjoyed it. Uh, Roman Reigns followed up with a spear, and Jey Uso kicks out. And this is where it becomes a bit apparent that this, is, this isn't just about the victory for Roman. As Roman's ordering Jay to acknowledge him as the tribal chief, as the head of the table. A second spear and laying in shot after shot, each time stopping to try and make Jay call him chief, to acknowledge his power. Uh, but the man never gives up, Roman becoming more and more agitated, increasing the force behind each punch. And... Like the man's cutting a promo mid-match <laughs> before laying in more of the beating. Like every single, he doesn't have a mic to his hand, but of course with the empty Thunderdome arena, he can pick up the audio and they really turned up what they were saying in that ring. And Roman Reigns between like laying in the shots every time he would stop and then try and get Jay to say it. It's like, I, I, didn't, I don't want to do this. <laughs> it's like, just, just say that I am. And then the fact that he never does, he gets more and more agitated. Uh, eventually, Jimmy Uso makes his return and runs down the ramp with a towel. Uh, Jay convinces him not to throw the thing in, but after even more beating, with Jay completely unable to protect himself, the brother makes the call. Uh, Jimmy throws in the towel and Roman wins the match. Uh, Jay never acknowledged him as chief, but with Jimmy in the ring looking after his brother, Roman posing with his championship, he looks up at Roman. And Jimmy says, if, that, if he's, that's what you want, there's like, he, he does acknowledge him, but he's like, if, if that's what you want, just just leave him alone. Like, what are you doing? Is that... <laughs> so, and I really like that trait. Yes, Roman got what he wanted, but not from the brother he wanted it from. This is a little thing to leave us to next time. Obviously, my other point was, this could move on relatively nicely. You've said that Roman Reigns' character could move on to the next thing. Don't know what it would be. A bit concerned that the Hell in the Cell uh, advert ended with the Fiend's laughter. And I'm just sitting here just thinking, that's a bit early to, like, your real only legit contender right now is the Fiend. And to go to him with the Hell in the Cell where he'd have to lose? Because there's no way you're dropping, you haven't Roman dropped the belt. Unless Roman is so badass he just beats him. <laughs> that's... Oh. I don't know, the feed is so damaged now, I don't know, I don't have that same level of, like, hope and it's hanging the amount of, I guess, excitement on the Fiend as I was this time last year going into Hell in a Cell. We all know what happened there. What is it, two, three years in a row? WWE have completely mucked up their main event after starting with a white-hot Hell in a Cell match. Like, last year, Bailey Sasha knocked it out of the park. The year before, Jeff Hardy, Randy Orton knocked it off the park. Off the park? <laughs> out of the park. And the main events of both years, Brock Lesnar enters, match ends via DQ. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> the Fiend, Seth Rollins. Need I say more? Seth Rollins even labelled it like, the for him, it's his worst moment in his WWE career. It's like, that says it all. <laughs> and uh, this, this year, it'd be quite nice for them not to muck it up. And my number one would be, don't book The Fiend versus Roman Reigns, because you're booking it. Yes, it's a big match. Yes, you could get people excited for it. Yes. The build to the pay-per-view would be good, but come the show itself, 
you're going to have to do something screwy or mess with one of the characters. And the only way I could find out of it where it, it would be just to have Roman pin him. <laughs> uh, and play it off like the fin, Fiend wanted to be pinned and in Reigns doing that he's done something super bad? I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't do Reigns Fiend inside the cell. Maybe do Jay again or unless there's somebody else I completely forget. Strowman? Oh, Strowman was one where Brock Lesnar came in. <laughs> That's, just do the same again but the Fiend comes in instead of Brock Lesnar. No, please don't do that. <laughs> don't take my suggestions. But this was a fantastically done main event match. 100% deserving, given the build of it as well. Jay's, like, I could feel it, well, especially when Jay's is coming out and he's amped and he's amped and he's got the uh, reef around his neck. We all asked an important thing as well. Uh, afterwards, um, uh, Roman Reigns orders Paul Heyman to go fetch the reef, which Jay Uso wore during his entrance and he puts it over Roman's neck. And he then he lifts the title with that round him. It was just like I'm the chief of this family. I am the ki- I am the head of the table now, and it's been confirmed and asserted. And it was, it was like it's him trying to assert power, and I really like that. I really like how he got really annoyed that no one would acknowledge his awesome might and power. <laughs> I really like that. This it's a con to his character on top of everything else. It's that's another thing. It's really nice to see characters with cons as well as pros. <laughs> like, look how awesome he is. Look how fantastic this character is. He's not so badass. But also, he got really agitated and annoyed when somebody did not acknowledge his power. Just just a little thing. Just a little thing. Really, really like that. Anyway, that's pretty much everything I've got to say in the main event. Genuinely enjoyed it. Fantastic watch. Uh, fantastic one. Again, on the Meltzer rating scale, it's not going to be five stars, but on the, well, what was... In doing what it needed to do and accomplishing it, it did, did it, there's no complaints, did it all. So, in that way, five stars. But yeah, I reckon three point five for Meltzer or something. I don't, that's why I don't do stars. <laughs> it's like my ratings for shows are normally phrases or sentences on how I'm feeling in the moment. Because for me, that sums it up way better than just an arbitrary number which can mean that any number of things and really you need to listen to the word said or read the context to know why it's been given that number, which, to, again, so much more important than what the number is. So, yeah, that's a, that's a jump into the video game world. <laughs> which is at its absolute worst that I completely don't understand. Anyway, next up, it is the ambulance match. Let's switch the picture. It is Randy Orton versus Drew McIntyre in the ambulance match. For the Universal Championship. This feud has been great. I'm going to put so far. Now I'm ready for the final chapter to arrive soon. But the ride's been a bloody strong one. Uh, In this match they were laying the fists and chops from the bell. Really following up on the angst of their rivalry so far. It's been playing out in Monday Night Raw. Like this ain't no match for no headlock exchanges. And... Yeah, a following pattern as well, where the champion McIntyre, he seemed in control until Orton caught him in the jaw. That's a common trait of McIntyre, where he's not an idiot babyface. Like, he, he can assert control just just as a heel would do. And yeah, that's that makes him so much bigger a force. And again, not falling for heel tricks either, as in, looks like the heel's going to get away with something, and then he just kicks him in the face. <laughs> he makes him seem like such a badass. Uh, like, a good guy counter that's not booked as an idiot. 
and that's elevated him so highly. He feels like such a great champion with just that one trait, never mind him absolutely nailing so many other uh, aspects. But when Orton did catch him in the jaw, he was quick to act and was ready to follow up with a punt immediately when Big Show returns. Big Show from ringside without any facial hair. Did he have facial hair when we are in the performance centre? I don't remember. Anyway, babyface Big Show. He drags out Randy and he chokeslams him through the announce table and then just leaves, just pisses off. <laughs> we'll never see him again. But that's, it's starting a story which happened throughout the match of people that Randy Orton has wronged over the course of this summer coming back and avenging. It's the uh, Randy Orton Christmas Carol or Clash of Champions Carol. Uh, it's alliteration, but <laughs> it doesn't really make any sense. Uh, so he, And then Drew McIntyre drags him towards the ambulance, like punching and dragging his body slowly towards the vehicle. And uh, launched off the big Scottish shoulders, uh, Orton goes headfirst into the ambulance. Whilst Joe on commentary, Samoa Joe was back on commentary, man, he's been missed. Uh, like, what kind of ambulance is this? As Drew seemingly just picks weapons off the side of it. <laughs> That's a weird ambulance. Uh, crutches and uh, Red Cross chairs, but the colours are inverted, so they're Swiss chairs. <laughs> and Orton, fight, I'm about to do a uh, promo for Swiss chocolate, which is, which is absolutely delicious. <laughs> but nothing to do with this match. Uh, Orton fights back with those crutches, both men laying in the punches as they enter the ambulance and continue to fight. Like, neither man, like, even looking at closing the doors, they were just laying fists on each other. And they just got out of the ambulance again. <laughs> a continued brawl around the ambulance. Orton wins out, but Drew eventually flies back in with a claymore, which misses as he goes flying and knocking the ambulance door right off its hinges. A lovely setup for a leg weak point. Uh, the two lads brawl backstage where Orton gets on top again until once more an enemy from recent past strikes. It's Christian getting his licks in this time, brawling around a mini catering area. Uh, back out to the ambulance, uh, Drew going to do something. He drags Orton up onto the bonnet of the car. Looks like to set up for something. When Orton fights back and Drew ends up on like, totally on the wrong end of the flow. Orton fighting back and throwing the champion down hard onto the windshield. And the, you saw the scars later and the blood coming out of the welts. are like, my God, <laughs> that looked painful. Uh, to continue quite a bit past that as well. They climb on top of the vehicle. Uh, Drew getting knocked off, but he was hanging and clutching on. And uh, getting his hand stamped on as well. As something happens as they, are never, as they never show the ground. He gets his hand stamped on and he falls down. And they never show the ground. It's like, hmm, why aren't they showing the ground where Drew McIntyre fell? Just staying on Randy Orton. And he's like, is he going to do a crossbody off the top? Uh, but before he can do anything, HBK out of nowhere. Switching music to Randy Orton. And he falls off the ambulance on the other side. So the camera's got it like flat on and he just falls off behind it. It's like, oh, it's probably a crash mat there. <laughs> I was thinking, but I'll take it. It's fine. Uh, then on the replay, they show the crash map. <laughs> it's like, you damn it, Kevin. Had <laughs> one job. And then he showed the replay again. Did you just not... Were the screens too small? Because that's happened to me on a filming location, like where you've got the small screen and you just don't notice the thing in the corner. But you're in a production truck. <laughs> you should be able to see that the crash map is just there. You're not doing it with like a, your portable square thing. 
which admittedly I should have also not done. <laughs> but oh, that's yeah, uh, that is quite something, really. <laughs> the fact they replayed it twice as well. Like, you can see the crash mat. It just destroys any immersion of it. Uh, anyway, it, it was decent enough. Uh, crotch chops from HBK. McIntyre uh, with punctures all over his back and bleeding down from that windshield. Uh, he's trying to lift Autumn back into the ambulance. But Randy fights back out and hits an RKO to the concrete floor. And the injured jaw as Tom Phillips reminds us. Uh, Orton obviously taking some time to get Drew into the ambulance and then after doing so Orton takes a few seconds too long and the champ powers his way out. Claymore rolls Randy in but stops himself from closing the door. Anger getting the better of him as he drapes the legend killer over and charges in with a punt and a crap camera angle for it but <laughs> the message of the story was perfect charges in with the punt Orton's out cold just and he rolls him in door one door two the cheers are piped in on the audio and Drew McIntyre retains the WWE Championship great ending Orton paying for all of his sins from this summer one after the other with uh, Drew getting the last punt just the just the final bit piece it's just poetry it's just Perfect to have that as the final beat. We pan round the ambulance to see Ric Flair ruining his way in the driver's seat. Uh, loved that match. A perfect bow in the arc for Drew and Orton. Really, really well done. And with the people returning, getting their vengeance on him. It's like it ties in everything from the summer in a nice, perfect little bow, and now you can move on. But it's WWE. <laughs> so whenever you think... You moved on. That doesn't necessarily mean you have. I mean, to be fair, you can have Orton now off till the Royal Rumble and just do McIntyre Keith Lee. Just do that at where Hell in a Cell can't be in the Hell in a Cell. You do that for a different match, but yeah. Anyway, so take a quick drink. We just say it's already. My hair looks really weird right now. Anyway, uh, there's. The weather is already cold enough that my drink is permanently chilled. <laughs> so, uh, it's already reached that point. It's not even October yet. And because of COVID, it doesn't feel like we've had a summer. But I've got permanently chilled uh, orange squash. <laughs> it's, nah, there's no, I can't drink and stay up till 4am. I've got to be sober, unfortunately, and watch this sort of thing. But now I'm going to go through the card for the show in order. Uh, I think there's only like five matches to get through, so it won't take as long as it normally does. I won't be up that long. But those first two matches, I felt like, deserved a bit of attention. Because they they were the reason, really, for this show. And I felt it whilst watching it. Like I enjoyed the opener. Then it was a whole lot of nothing until <laughs> Randy Orton's music hit. And that's when I'm back in, and I genuinely enjoyed... I thought both matches were great. As so I've, I've enjoyed the build and the arcs for both the world titles... Both Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns feel like great champions, which is fantastic to say. <laughs> in that when I've been so critical of WWE over these past few years, especially the last two, to be able to just say that no, I think both champions are fantastic, and I was really into the stories for both of the championship matches, and I enjoyed said matches on the pay per view. I thought they hit home, ended the arcs perfectly. Move on to the next thing. Issue with WWE is normally on the TV itself. 
do they move on or not? Do they stall a little bit? Uh, and I say I say that purely because of the past two years. And a lot of that was Brock Lesnar. But without Brock Lesnar, that's not an issue. Like, I can finally get invested in a champion. I can finally be like, oh yeah, I can see you getting built because Brock Lesnar's not going to turn up and just beat you. <laughs> it's like, well, what's the point in ever getting invested where certain time calls and going back, got to go back to Saudi Arabia so Brock Lesnar's champion again. It's like, no. Did a really... They've done a really good job building Dream McIntyre and in the, like, four, five weeks <laughs> Roman Reigns has been back, absolutely nailed his stuff too. So all the thumbs up. Uh, next, uh, so next one, I'm going to go through the card in order, as I was just saying. So we did get a John Cena-voiced VTR to kick us off and I was getting my notes ready. Didn't hear a word he said, <laughs> but I heard his cadence. I was like, wait a second, that's the cadence of a John Cena. And everybody on Twitter makes the same joke of, oh, John Cena lends his voice to the intro, but you can't see him. <laughs> so, I can happily say I didn't make that joke. So, yeah. Anyway, so the opening match was, for the Intercontinental Championship, a triple threat ladder match. Jeff Hardy, AJ Styles, Sami Zayn, two Intercontinental Champions, and Sami Zayn returning after months away. Interesting on commentary where they're like, they're playing it up as he's a heel. He just disappeared. And now he's come back claiming his champion. Didn't tell anybody where he was going. He just disappeared. It's, it's an interesting one because in the clash with reality, it's like, yeah, there's a worldwide pandemic. Which was <laughs> a pretty big reason why he wasn't there. But that's a major difference between AEW and WWE is how they've addressed COVID. And with... AEW, it's been flat out he's got COVID or he's not on the show because of COVID. With WWE, they seem like they don't want to say the word. Uh, and like, there were people missing off the show, obviously, with three women testing positive today, assumably. Let me just, re let me just track that back, because <laughs> that's not been confirmed. With uh, three women not medically cleared for the show in Nikki Cross, Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. Uh, none of those three were deemed were medically cleared for the show and immediately you just jump of was it possibly covid uh, i joked it's florida maybe it was a gator accident <laughs> but no they very likely did test positive we won't see them for a couple of weeks which means on the day of the show that they weren't there so they had to come up with something and uh, i mean that's 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 life as well just not forgetting where they are which is like a really important thing that i need to keep in mind of myself with Yes, my country's got my own circumstances, but where this show's being filmed, which is Florida, they've got the second highest growing uh, rate in America, which is like one of the worst <laughs> handled nations for it. And they and also in Florida, their governor's reopening the state, even though they've got the second highest growth rate. So uh, again, I've not I've not looked loads into it because again, not American, trying to follow my own following your own stuff. Like you should probably. Most of my listeners are American. You probably know yourselves. It's difficult to keep up with what's happening outside of your own country because it's so quickly changing. So you, you get notes here and then, but you don't have like a proper picture. But so that so I just point that on top of each other. Where wouldn't surprise me if this starts to happen at a slightly regular occurrence again, where we are getting people testing positive purely because where they are, the rates are higher, and they are in that state where the rates are higher. 
So it makes sense that you're going to have a, a quite a chance of things getting disrupted. So I don't have any like qualms. I don't. Like, I'm not putting any blame on WWE for that. It's much bigger than them. But suddenly they got to make up a show, and I felt like they did a really good job of that. Uh, there is a bit of a rematch problem, <laughs> but this is a B pay per view, so I won't get too critical. And they are trying to adjust on the fly to something that went wrong. Uh, out of their hands really so they had to just completely stop what they were doing and make something up or stall and they kind of went with both <laughs> in terms of Bailey, quite impressively but the ladder match went ahead as planned uh, Jeff Hardy, AJ Styles and Sami Zayn these three lads sure launched themselves through those ladders so many bumps right off the bat Hardy and Sami especially taking three or four for the team in the first few minutes and uh, Styles sure got his own tally up by the end, but the rate of bumps from the off really kicked the pace up right from the start. Also, it's been so long that Sami Zayn just, like, just hitting one of his rope bouncy moves, just hitting one of those just popped me. Like, Mark, I've missed that man. <laughs> it's just seeing him wrestle, do a Sami Zayn wrestling, it's been so long. It's got to at least be a year, if not more than that, since he's done something a bit more than, I guess, talking or brawling. Like his match back at, I want to say, Extreme Rules, where the uh, handy, three and one handicap match where he won, like he hardly did any of the wrestling, and I'm like, oh, have we pretty much seen the end of Sami Zayn, what he was like, but maybe he's had enough time to recuperate where he can do the ropey bouncy stuff. <laughs> so, Sami Zayn's back, everybody. Um, like welts all over the Canadians' back. He just hit so many ladder bumps, so many brutal stuff. When like when the match was only halfway done, he was already covered. Like lots of great little sequences. A lovely spot with AJ and Jeff atop the ladder, and Hardy purposefully rocks the boat, and they go crashing down. But Sammy was in the corner with his knees up, and the ladder landed on his raised knees. So he then. Pulled a face like, oh, aren't I smart? And then pushed the ladder up to then go and climb it. Really enjoyed that. Also, uh, Styles flying in off a springboard is met by Hardy just pushing the ladder into him. <laughs> that was great as well. They were really playing up that these three guys are veterans of ladder matches. AJ Styles' example was he was in the Money in the Bank match and he knew to push over the ladder. It's like, ah, the one, like, the... The one spot that you can guarantee you'll be in every single ladder match. <laughs> so it's not quite the same as Jeff Hardy and Sami Zayn, because Sami Zayn's got his money, his money in the bank previous years in there as well. AJ Styles, I think, was just champion, so or in championship matches. So never until this year, I think that's his first one. I didn't really do ladder matches. He won. He has a point. Until this was Money in the Bank, his first ladder match in WWE. And he wasn't particularly known for them in TNA either. It was, the match was fine. I'm just realising that the all three of these guys are veterans of ladder matches. Ah, no, they're not. <laughs> but it doesn't really matter. The match itself was great. Uh, the fact they're, they're all veterans. I just take back the ladder match thing. It's perfectly fine. Um, I'm nitpicking. I really enjoyed this match. <laughs> I wanted to be positive and immediately nitpicking. Uh, but so AJ Styles got a ladder into the face. Uh, a interesting spot where Jeff Hardy took one of the most unique ladder bumps I think I've ever seen. Where Laddie were, uh, Hardy was climbing the ladder, not Laddie was climbing the harder. <laughs> uh, Hardy was climbing the ladder and it's slightly towards the corner. Zane tilts it back and if Jeff Hardy were to drop where he was, he'd probably land in the turnbuckle. So instead, once it's tilted back, Jeff 
slides down the other side of the ladder like a snake. <laughs> it just climbs over, starts to slide down towards Sammy, until Zane then pushes the ladder towards the turnbuckle corner. And Zane lowers said ladder onto the turnbuckle, and Jeff Hardy just like. The lad just kaflumps off to the outside. <laughs> it was really awkward and weird, but awkward and weird and a bit crashy is perfect for a ladder match. So it fit in fine, even if it was a bit of a pushing him to the corner and then just kaflump. <laughs> so yeah, I feel like something else was planned there, but I didn't, the match didn't lose anything by it not working. Unless it was amazing and they're really annoyed at themselves. <laughs> but the flow of the match high didn't take me out at all. So yeah, it's a ladder match. Kaflumps happen. Uh, Jeff Hardy, the, uh, kaf- I'm nicking Kaflump from a Wallace and Gromit story. <laughs> There's like, it's a porridge overload or something, and it's just like Kaflump, Kaflump. Anyway, if anyone else gets my Wallace and Gromit reference, <laughs> Jeff Hardy with his ladder match spot of death uh, atop a massive ladder, and even Corey Graves and commentators like, well, we've just seen from WrestleMania, the one where he jumped off that big ladder. And is he going to do the thing where he jumps off a big ladder? You bet your ass he's going to jump off the big ladder. <laughs> and a loud thud as he crashes through a ladder-prone Sami Zayn. The ambiance of the Thunderdome really lended itself to that. Like, you could just... You could hear... Hearing that thud. So yes, they've got noise around it. So, uh, with the crowd noise and the reactions to things. But, just hearing the thud... Just made it seem so much worse. Because not so many times where you've seen that spot and you hear the sound of the ladder, the higher pitch noise travels. The lower pitch just... <laughs> Where's he crashes through? That doesn't travel. So, get, so actually hearing that made it sound so much worse. And, I mean, that's just what they're hearing. <laughs> As in, that's the reality of, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty bad. <laughs> and finally we get to hear just how, like, horrific it is. <laughs> it's just a really loud thud. Um... But yeah, so it really added to it. Also, yep, Jeff is still flipping mental. <laughs> so after this, he starts to kind of get back up and into the match um, when eventually he gets back to Sami Zayn and he gets his tricks with the, both lads down. Sami Zayn capitalises and he grabs handcuffs from his jacket. Handcuffs. Hmm, interesting ending. <laughs> Cuffing Hardy's big earlobe piercing to a ladder. That it was a smaller ladder that he could carry. Then AJ, then he, AJ tried to handcuff and AJ fought back, and then Sami Zayn cleverly handcuffed himself to AJ. Meaning, oh, you can't climb that if I don't want to, or if you do, then I have to climb with you. So they both climb the ladder, and that's when Jeff Hardy comes in and starts to try and hit AJ with the ladder that's attached to his ear, so he can't do. So he's like. Ugh. Uh, 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 I'm going to go in time because it hurts. <laughs> He's doing that. And then in the, in the middle of that, I think AJ successfully fights off Jeff Hardy, obviously. <laughs> and then, uh, but in that, he's distracted. And Sami Zayn has the key because they're his handcuffs. And he unlocks himself on the ladder and moves the handcuffs to the steady rails going across the, the steady rails that's not the name everyone knows you know, I've described it well enough I think and he's, uh, AJ Styles is attached to those and cannot climb the ladder of which Sami Zayn just climbs up and takes the titles and wins Jeff Hardy not able to get back to his feet in time he's got oh he can't jump up because I've got to grab the ladder first and it keeps oh. and uh, AJ I'm just like with AJ I was just like just get off the ladder and push it over like you can fall with it 
End of. <laughs> That's like done. <laughs> really not that difficult. Such an idiot, AJ. <laughs> so AJ is then, yeah, Sim done for. And Sami Zayn grabs both titles and wins. Really enjoyable opening. Yes, he can nitpick. For me, that's part of the fun with wrestling. Just immediately, just like, yeah, just, AJ, just get off the ladder and push it. <laughs> not that difficult, AJ. You're making it seem so complicated. It's really not. <laughs> and he ends up losing. Uh, I love that. And so is Zayn as well afterwards, just like, like, because I don't, it just kind of felt like, a, like AJ Styles might win, given he's the biggest name in, uh, biggest modern day name in the match. Uh, Jeff Hardy's got all that experience and they've gone with the babyface uh, climb and arc for him. But they made a pretty good job on commentary. Really, they painted the picture that, yeah, he's had his redemption arc. He's done that now. So it makes sense for Sami Zayn to be the one with the most to prove. So this this really elevates Zayn. And he's officially the IC champion with his double championship huge necklace <laughs> he can wear. Uh, yeah, really enjoyable opening. Uh, and it was uh, just a bolt of energy right at the start of the show. And a really creative ladder match as well. It wasn't just random spots. It built, it had an arc, it had story, character, it had something to it. Uh, bits came back or were building to things. There wasn't just, like you could tell, these three guys are all veterans of what they do. And it really showed in the match. Really, really enjoyed it. Uh, but now comes to the rest of the show. And as I've said, the ladder match I thought was fantastic. And the last two matches I thought were also great. Then there's just an hour and a half of nothing, essentially. So quick sip of my lovely chilled squash. Ooh. Still maintains the fizz, everybody. <laughs> Isn't that great? Anyway, the 24-7 skits. These were things. Uh, quickly bash through. Our truth does things. Enters the referee's room by accident with little Jimmy. When leaving, an opportunistic Drew Gulak is just warming up in the background, rolls him up and takes the championship. This totally won't come back because R-Truth never leaves the show as champion. <laughs> the Raw Women's Championship was next. Asuka versus Zelina Vega. Asuka going from a white-hot night wrestling twice for both women's championships one month ago at SummerSlam to now... In the cooldown match after a chaotic ladder opener against an opponent who offers little threat. Quite literally, as the smaller competitor uses her smarts to create openings for herself, uh, seriously targeting the champ's arm uh, as the champion's arm starts to glow orange on the indicator. And I praise Alina Vega's way of. Uh, I, praise, I really like her matches. I like that to defeat her, her opponents have got to outsmart her. It's something different than powering through pain or uh, just out-powering somebody or, or out-athleticizing somebody or being a better te technical person. But if you can outsmart them, it's it's just a bit unique and I like that. Never bought her as a challenger, <laughs> really. Or proper can, like, somebody could actually beat Asuka. But I'm appreciative of the s style. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, we really need to elaborate, really. The uh, Asuka struggled to adapt for a tad. Uh, Zelina scoring near falls and countering repeatedly. A nice ending sequence, a really nice ending sequence, with Vega continuing to counter over and over. Asuka giving back, trying to lock in the Asuka lock. Vega trying to roll backwards with a pin. She, she does do that, but then gets rolled forward back in front and just locked in with the Asuka lock. And Vega immediately taps after that. Just rolled backwards. She thought she'd got him and then rolled back in. Uh, it was really smooth as well, this that entire sequence. Uh, decent showing from Vega. 
but there's a reason this match was originally booked for the kickoff. And after the match, Zelina feigns respect, offering to bow. When Asuka bows, she gets a stiff knee to the fierce. Does uh, does this really have to keep going? <laughs> like even after Monday Night Raw, I was just saying, ah, it's a fine challenger, but really, if you're building to Peyton Royce or somebody else, you don't need to spend much time on Zelina Vega. But this is like, nope. This is continuing. Asuka's clearly pissed at Zelina Vega now and she's going to want to get revenge at her. So, But Zelina Vega, even in the kind of... She start, she won a match against Mickie James and she got that opportunity by just walking up and talking to <laughs> the champion, uh, just running the champion down. And before that, she was losing to Bianca Belair. So she doesn't really have a momentum coming in. If it's like... If I look like Drew McIntyre... If he doesn't get a load of wins before winning the Royal Rumble, and the show before he cuts a promo, he's just like, I'm going to win the Royal Rumble. All of the rest of you are, are poo-poo heads. And then he goes and he actually wins. But he's had no victories beforehand to make it feel like a deal, so it's kind of out of nowhere. And he don't buy it. You don't buy that he could then beat Bottler, because he's not had the build. Obviously, the way the match played out, could it have even worked then? It might feel more like an underdog story than a big, strong warrior stepping up. Uh, Zelina Vega, yes, she is an underdog, but you don't really give repetitive opportunities, as in title matches, uh, one after the other. It doesn't really fit that kind of story. This felt like a really short wham-bam, move on to the next thing type of thing, and he could continue to build the division around her. Uh, yeah, but poor Asuka, kind of falling off a bit. Like, you can't rotate challenges at all. <laughs> you need to pick one at a time and just drill it home till we're done with it. So, yeah. Anyway, next up, the United States Championship. Uh, Bobby Lee Lashley with MVP and Shelton Benjamin versus Apollo Crews with Richard O'Shea. The Hurt Business are currently the heart of Monday Night Raw, beating throughout the show, pumping energy into its veins in even the most tiring of shows. A decent match, but the for me, the issue with this card became apparent here. Like, Asuka Vega was a decent cooldown following the hot ladder opener, but there isn't really anything to cool down for. This show's staying in lukewarm territory for the next hour, <laughs> so you've cooled down, and we're just going to stay here. <laughs> just not move. It's all right. I like it in the shallow end. It's just going to be nothing. <laughs> it just be nothing for the next hour. It's treading water. Uh, I guess one of it, big, powerful Lashley, Athletic Cruise, big powerful Cruise, even bigger and powerful than a Lashley. <laughs> uh, decent fake falls with a Cruise countering lashes and flying down with a frog splash. I bought that near fall. Uh, after the kick out, it was right to the end for Apollo though. Powered up high by Bobby's awesome slam. That one where he just gets him up high and just down. Uh, it gets me every time. I think it's awesome. And it's against the right opponents as well that can really make that move look fantastic. And locked right into the hurt lock to the quick tap. I did enjoy MVP sushing the lads uh, to be quiet as he was standing victorious in the ring. He was just like, shh, whilst Bobby's like, ooh, big strong, ooh, argh, argh. I don't mind doing young bucks. <laughs> it's because I can only see like a third, if not two thirds, of me on the screen. So when I was doing my pose, I was like, I have to go in an angle to even get myself in the little bit of frame that I've got. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> let's just get away from that. 
Wait, I, I, this match was it was decent, but it wasn't any more memorable than the other matches. And Apollo Crews hasn't faced anybody other than the Hurt Business opponents since June, if I'm right. I'm sure Ross Sapp has got all the stats. But, yeah, it's that's crazy. We're in October. This this Raw, this, this upcoming Raw is the last Raw of September. We'll be in October after that. And Apollo Crews, like, all summer <laughs> has only faced people from the Hurt Business, which is mental to still be in that bracket. After... It's like four months of solidly you're only facing these opponents. But why? <laughs> why not? Branch, you've got so many mid-card people. Just why is it passing? It's more one criticism. It's more one praise for AEW. What one praise? It's a praise for AEW. A criticism for WWE. Uh, praise for AEW. It's not passing ships. It is kind of a lived-in world and people can face each other. But with that stronger sentiment on the in-ring action rather than the stuff around it. That kind of helps. But with WWE, it is passing ships. I, I've described it as like comic book versus graphic novel. And WWE does comic book writing. And you're in your story. You're locked into your story. And you very rarely bra- character-wise branch out from the story you're in. I feel like they're getting better at it. But it's still a bit of a criticism. AW, I feel like, are a lot more of a just a world that's happening. And that's where the graphic novel comparison comes in. Like, you've got enough time to flesh it out and have it be a world rather than comic book. You write your story. Once that's done, boom, on to the next one. And, yeah. Anyway, it's just tangent away. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm not going to remember the Bobby Lashley Apollo Crews match. Like, I wasn't going to remember the last one because I'd already seen it three or four times by the time I got to the last one. <laughs> Payback. And we're doing it again. It's like, just stop running the same matches. <laughs> Jesus. Ooh. Mm. Actually, yeah, SummerSlam as well, wasn't it? Good God. Three pay-per-views in a row. It might have been more than that as well. Crazy. The Raw Tag Team Championships. Actually, no, it was MVP versus Apollo Crews at uh, bloody SummerSlam. Just remember I got that wrong. Anyway, the Raw Tag Team Championships. Unfortunately, uh, cut short by injury. But it was Street Profits versus Andrade and Angel Gaza. 25. This time it's without Zelina. And, uh, oh man, here we go again. Like, but it was like, huzzah, it wasn't the two lads that were the issue. It was Zelina all along. Now they've got cohesion. Like, we've seen these four lads wrestling each other for so many months that as the match was happening, I was like, I've got nothing. It's, yes, it's good, but it's the same good. And we've seen this pairing so much between these four lads that I've got nothing left. <laughs> do I like? Do I really have to write up another one? It's the same. It's the same pairing that we've been seeing for so long. I'm done with it. <laughs> I'm not. It's just now. It's just like a blur of happenings that I don't get anything from. It gets no reaction out of me because I've, I've you've bled the well. It's dry. <laughs> Stop trying to get water from it. Like, save it. There was a. There was a point where it just completely switched though. Uh, I was also thinking the way it was playing out was maybe Garza and Andrade were set to win. And like this, this was maybe set to continue with the heel lads given that they found cohesion. Uh, but injury changed up everything. After a scary looking Spanish fly with Garza narrowly avoiding disaster, like saving landing on his head but seemingly messing up his knee. Uh, he was on one knee as the referee threw up the X. And that was pretty much it. Very quickly led to the end. 
and which one was it? It was Dawkins hit his spinning spine dust spine duster <laughs> spine buster thing and into the pin cover. And Andrade clearly kicked out, but the referee must have got something in his ear to say no, call it to score it there. And he rings the bell, and both Street Profits look pissed, especially <laughs> especially Dawkins. It was like really super pissed that the match being called off early, because um, obviously somebody made the point that it's a tag match. If you lose one competitor, you've still got another three, so it can work relatively well. You don't need to call it, but obviously backstage they made the decision like no, like maybe if it was meant to be Andrade and Garza winning, then this has just completely halted it. But yeah, it's just maybe uh, Dawkins. It was quite interesting seeing Dawkins look super pissed in victory. He was so angry. Montez <laughs> Ford didn't look much happier to begin with either. But he can just switch it on and just be- become energy ball of dance. <laughs> I guess that's the way to say it. He's, again, I've said it when I was watching him in NXT. I should say, just watching Montez Ford makes me tired. <laughs> How does he have that much energy? I'm, yeah, I can't, I can't do that. Look at me. <laughs> anyway, after this we've got another thing. R-Truth rolls up Gulak. He's champion again. Uh, R-Truth skits were weird this week. <laughs> Fair to say. It reached a point, a peak, a peak point on this show as well. Just strangeness. Uh, but on the good side, WWE Draft confirmed for the 9th of October on Smackers and 12th of October for Raw, which is not next week, it's the week after. Let me just double check. Yeah, it is. So it's not this coming week. It is next week. Next Friday, especially, so we've got two rolls to get through until the draft. Uh, and I kind of, yeah, I agree with it because, especially as when there kind of would be one at some point over the summer, or at least after WrestleMania or something this year, there was nothing because of COVID. You know, figuring out so much stuff, like completely redistributing the rosters when you didn't know who you're going to have, yeah, it makes a lot of sense to just not do it, which meant we've had a bit of time now. From then till this one. Can't remember when the last 2019 one is. I was kind of in and out on 2019. Uh, but it's yeah, it's good to see it. But, like, I didn't return properly to WWE. Because I left for the summer. Uh, around Dominion I left. Well like, it was May time if I'm right. Then I came back a bit for SummerSlam. And then wasn't properly till the Wednesday Night War started. And I came back for everything. Because I was crazy. <laughs> I came back for everything in October. So we're reaching the point where I'm back in line. I can't remember when the shake-up was. can't remember at all. But yeah, I feel like yeah, it's needed. There's a lot of just drab, dry. We've seen it all the time, especially in Monday Night Raw, where we've just hit a point where we have seen the pairings so much, there's nothing new. Uh, and the tag team's a big one, where they might... They're so barren, they just kind of like, just unify the titles. Like, the, your championship scene is so barren. Just leave it. Uh, anyway... Next up was the final segment. I can feel my eyes getting so blurry. I can see them getting really just small <laughs> on the screen. Uh, it was a Bailey surprise match. Why did I word it like that? She places her title on a chair in the middle of the ring and cuts a great pre-match promo, offering out a challenge to literally anyone, but no one answers her ding-dong <laughs> in time. She was actively doing the ding-dong thing. Like someone knock on my door, ding dong, no one's there. <laughs> uh, so she claims the victory by default. But wait a second, it's Asuka! The Raw Women's Champion accepts, and we have a clash of champions with champions clashing on our Clash of Champions pay per view. It's a, what, what a novel idea. <laughs> it's a match we've already seen three or four times, excluding tag. So 
It's like the rest of this middle period, uh, but it's sure a good one. Or is it? They essentially just brawl on the outside and we count to ten. They had a bit of a start in the middle, it's lasted a minute, then outside brawl, counts ten, that's that. Oh well. But it led to Banks out of nowhere, Sasha Banks making her return, donning her neck brace, swinging a steel chair into Bailey's bag and trying to follow up the attack. But, thanks to her injury, the champion was still the fitter of the two, she not really had a match. Uh, Bailey able to ground Sasha and sets up her own chair of pain. But she gets too cocky and Banks strikes back, wielding a kendo stick, Bailey brought in and unleashing on her former friend. And no follow-up again as Bailey retreats out of the ring this time, but the boss's message of retaliation was received. And we are... Uh, it's an interesting one, because they showed her clearly injured and not ready to compete, but they showed her unleashing the anger. So you can not bring Sasha back still? Or just have her about and just interfering with Bailey whilst not really being in any matches? Because you don't need to. She's not going to be there. So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, that's the end of it. I haven't really got many notes on Sasha and Bailey because it was like, yeah, she came in and she attacked her, and that's it. Yeah, if decent attack, you saw, you got to see stuff. What's gonna happen next? We're heading ourselves on the corner, but because they're clearly showing that Sasha Banks isn't fit, and I would continue to sell that for a bit unless you have Bailey directly challenge. And you don't know. Keep it up. Keep up. That Sasha Banks might not be fit enough. Then just reveal for the pay per view. Oh, she's fine. Well, to realise I didn't change any of my lovely images as rattled on for the entire thing. Isn't that bloody great? That's the last one I've got. I don't have one for Bailey, obviously. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> That's the end of that. I am going to go to bed now. I bloody need it. It's quarter past four in the morning. Birds are going to start chirping soon. And I know the microphone does pick them up. Ooh. One last it for my fizzy drink. It's held its fizz. I made that hours ago. Thank you, cold weather. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to bid you do. Uh, with that, I say thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Thank you for liking, subscribing, whatever. I will be. I'll be back on Tuesday. No rest of the wicked. <laughs> I'll be back on Tuesday for the Raw review. Then Thursday again for the NXT review. Uh, we've got uh, now. Then the all night uh, long wrestling podcast will also cover AEW. Dynamite uh, after dark. I, don't know if that's shifted away from the wrestling headline stuff. And WWF Legacy Series is a podcast exclusive, as well as the Maple Leaf Wrestling History is also a podcast exclusive. So if you want to go check those out as well. And I'm pretty much done. <laughs> I'm rambling on. Follow me on Twitter at the damn Impacat. I am currently bashing out a weekly G1 Climax series with Sir Sam over on Laws of um, Wrestling Headlines. Keep calling it the old name. That's going to get up on Wrestling Headlines. Our column for the first week went up on Friday. So you want to go and check that out and see our top five matches of the first week. As well as our three MVPs. Like each of us pick five matches and each of us will pick three MVPs. And we kind of score points to it as well to find out who's the best of them all by the end of the tournament. So we'll see. Anyway, thank you for watching. What do you make of Clash of Champions? Are you as happy with the main events as I was? Or were you as media uh, meh about the rest of the card? Uh, I really wasn't looking forward to it before the show. I'll be honest. I saw the card and I was like, there are three matches I care about. 
And there's a whole lot I don't. And I was thinking if they replace the other two with matches I don't care about, then this could be a four-hour pay-per-view. I only care about an hour four. <laughs> I wasn't looking forward to it. But you know what? Left me with a good, good taste. Yeah, the main event was good. The steak was delicious. <laughs> the steak was delicious. The gravy sauce was really well, really well made, even if the, the potatoes were a bit undercooked. But the steak is the thing I remember. Oh, the steak. Oh, tasty, tasty steak. <laughs> that is my, that's my rating for this show. Potatoes were a bit undercooked, but the steak was, uh, the steak was really nice, and the gravy complemented it really well. <laughs> that's my review for Clash of Champions. Uh, so. With that, I say thank you for listening, watching, whatever, and I bid you adieu. Adios. Ten.